that was like my aha moment is so much easier if you are just staying in touch with people you've that already know and love you well hopefully love you uh, that you're staying in touch with them and and just you know having that contact that engagement it is a lot easier than going out and meeting new people and constantly always being on for new getting new leads so that was the aha moment but i've had several where it started off with one and then they became raving fans where um you know bit by bit i'm going through the their whole families uh with the newsletter being digital the analytics of it so i can see you know what the open rate is how many clicks i can see exactly who is looking at it how many times have they opened up something and and have and, and when you're clicking on for the newsletter is taking you into the website where, you know, the posts first generated. So uh, the July newsletter, and I had just pulled it up, uh, was an open rate 49%. That's the highest one I had. June was uh, 42, 44.2% uh, uh, you know, for the June one. So I'm usually in uh, like 38 to, you know, 44, uh, but the 49 was, was the highest. That is reaching out to people. And again, they might not be a buyer or seller today, but basically, if you were to ask anybody um, from my past clients, oh, who, what was your agent's name? They're going to say Sherry Benno because chances are either I just talked to them in person, I just sent them a birthday card, or they just saw the newsletter, they, they will remember. I'm also reaching out to to my vendors for, hey, if you've got coupons or something that I can give to my clients. I, I kind of joke around uh, with friends and family or, or people, you know, the acquaintances, and I'll say, oh my gosh, you know, all my buyers, they're all either under contract now or they're, they've already closed. And, you know, it, it's been wonderful. I've got all these people. I've, I've been their fairy godmother. I've been their real estate fairy godmother. I've helped make dreams come true. And now, oh, shoot, I, I don't have anybody. I need more Cinderella's. Who, who do you know? I, I, I need some more Cinderella's for my pipeline. Who, you know, anybody that I can help make a dream come true. This is Solo Agent World, where we celebrate the accomplishments of high-performing single-agent real estate practices. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to the Solo Agent World, where we celebrate the accomplishments of top-performing solo real estate agents. Today, we're talking with Sherry Benner with Berkshire Hathaway in Freeport, Maine. Last year, she sold 29 homes worth 10 million and earned 288,000 in GCI as a solo agent. Her average price was 341,000 with 48% buyers and 52% sellers. She's been an agent for 11 years. Welcome to the call, Sherry. Thank you so much, glad to be here. Ah, uh, Sherry, it's great to have you. Real excited to talk to you and learn all about what you're doing over there. But before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, before, well, I've done real estate for a while, but it was in a different facet. So right out of college is when I became a real estate paralegal. And so I, that wasn't my first choice. It was going to be litigation paralegal. That was what I thought was really exciting. But 
real estate paralegal and the rest is history. And so I did that for um, 11 years. And I'm just going to put in a pet peeve of real estate agents today that don't know how to read a deed, because that, of course, was what my daily you know, thing was doing, uh, preparing, writing up the deeds, doing the title work and everything else. So yes, I know, I know the insides of real estate. Uh, but I have to, uh, in between that and what I'm doing now, actually, my um, husband had a business, the collection agency that needed help. So I left paralegal to join that. Collections, if you're familiar with that, that is all cold calls. That is all cold calls and people are yelling and saying no to you. So <laughs> great practice in becoming a real estate agent that I had all of that uh, with me, that I wasn't afraid to pick up the phone and not afraid of people saying no to me. So um, after I was leaving that business, um, a little divorce got in the way of that. But uh, leaving that, it was like, what do I know? I know real estate. And so there I was interviewing with different agencies and they're like, oh, that real estate background is a paralegal. You're not afraid of cold calls. You're going to be a natural. You're going to be a natural. And so, yes, it turned out that, that it was a good thing. So it, it prepared <laughs> me for what I'm doing today. Wow. That is fantastic. Um, let's do this. I, I know you had a fast start. Tell us about your first year. What happened during the first year? So actually for the first year, um, and, and here's uh, the first year I was with Keller Williams and I had money set aside again from um, a divorce and selling the house actually right before I became an agent um, selling the house. So I had money to support me. So I was going in at full tilt that I'm doing it hundred percent. And I knew I wasn't going to not have a roof over my head or whatever. So um, it's January, January 1st, I'm starting and I get a call from my very first, would be my very first client. And she picked me because she liked my last name. Uh, her last name was Ben, B-E-N-N, -N, and Benner. So, so she calls and, and after a few minutes talking, she's like, oh, I picked the right person. And so I started in January. My first closing is in February. And um, and then it just kept going and going. I was uh, putting myself out there for open houses with other agents, you know, and, and was getting leads that way and then was successful at closing those, converting them into my clients. And it was all buyers, though, for that first year. The funny part is at the um, end of the year, uh, Keller Williams has a big award ceremony uh, that they do for all the top producers and everything else. And the last award, and I'm sitting there going, well, that's certainly not me, um, but I'm sitting there and the last award they do was Rookie of the Year. And I'm, oh, well, I'll say it, I'm post 50. So I kind of think that's sort of funny. I was Rookie at anything at that age. <laughs> that was my name and I was Rookie of the Year. And after that, I had all these uh, big teams that were just descending on me like, oh, you should be with us. And I'm like, I, I did great this year. And, and my first year was, uh, I think, 12. Um, and I'm like, I did all that on my own. Um, you know, just starting out, I, I think I'm good. So uh, that was how I started. But coincidentally, um, the next year, the start of the next year, the person who had been my very first client as a buyer calls me up to say, I, I need to sell the house. 
because she was getting a new grandchild in another state. And she's like, I'm not missing this. So sold her house. And so to this day, she has no idea she was my first buyer client and she has no idea that she was my first selling listing. Um, and it was just because I was in with confidence and obviously because of the age, people just automatically assumed I had to have been in it, you know, for a long time. And that confidence is what really kind of pushed me through. You fake it till you make it. So that's, that's how point. What a great point. So let me, let me just confirm. Did you say that first year you, you sold 12 homes? Yes. And, wow, and at so. first I thought though, that that was horrible because you know, 12, I mean, that just, and when I was talking to other agents who had been, I was looking up to, cause they'd been in the business a while. And, and one lady was so funny. She goes, Oh, hon, she goes, most are only doing six. So, yeah. So after I heard that, I'm like, okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. The second year was 25 and then it just always kept on going higher and higher after that. Wow. Let's, uh, let's do this. There may be some people who are listening to us who are new or newer into the business and they're trying to figure out how to get a fast start. And if you, you've been in the business now 11 years, you had a fast start, but if you were to look back and talk to Sherry Younger, Sherry, Sherry the rookie, right? <laughs> who is just getting started in the real estate, with, what advice would you give her to have even a faster start? What would you tell her to do? Give us like just two minutes of what would you tell her to do? Well, these were things that I, I was doing. Um, if I didn't have my own listings that first year. I Everybody in the office saw that I was in there every day uh, because that was the workplace and I was there every day. I was calling up uh, FISBOs, expireds and everything. So they, they saw that I just wasn't, it wasn't social club. It was like I was there for a purpose. And so they were willing to let me come and do their open houses, and, but being able to keep uh, the people that I connected with. So that was a difference. So I was doing that. And again, though, going back to making those calls for expired, uh, because I certainly got a couple that way, actually going into my second year for expired, but just having the confidence and I learned something, um, one of the important things I learned first off, I didn't have business cards to begin with. And I was telling that to an agent and he goes, you, no, no, you don't need business cards when you're meeting somebody and you're talking and you're like, oh, shoot, I just gave away my last business card. Let me have your information and get it right in on your phone. He goes, no, nobody cares about your information. You want their information. And that's probably the biggest uh, takeaway I had for that. And also when you're first starting, I, I will see agents put down sales agent because that's where they're at. You know, you're a newbie for those first two years. Don't, don't say sales agent. If you're, you're, you're in with your realtor, uh, your local um, um, group, that's what you present yourself as. And it's all about confidence. And so no one ever questioned that whole first year that I was a new agent because honestly, if I didn't know an answer, I would be, well, that's a good question. Let me, let me just check, you know, and I'll get back to you and promptly did. I was willing to ask the questions, not pretend I knew everything, but just be confident. Excellent. Excellent. One more question there, because 
not only did you have a fast start, you doubled the next year. You went from 12 to 25. And there are a lot of people listening to us that would love to figure out how to double. When you doubled that first year, I know I'm stretching you back there, but when you doubled that first year, is it because you kept doing the same thing just better or did you add something or do something different? And if so, what was it? No, it was being better um, at it. And this was, I would go in every day to the office. I had my own spot. And the first two hours every day, I was making calls to expireds. And that, I mean, every day, and that was how, so my second year really was more on the listing side because I was getting those expireds. And my background for being in collections, when we have to find people, we call that skip tracing. Um, and that is, you know, getting a phone number, finding, if I, cause I, if I could get somebody on the phone, I was going to get them. And so it was just being, um, doubling down, doing that for work. And then later in the afternoons, I would be out door knocking. And that was where I really got the other half of my business was door knocking. And I continued with that actually, um, obviously stopped in uh, at the end of 2019. I mean, I, I wasn't, I haven't door knocked since for the pandemic because people were getting a little wary of who's coming to my door, uh, my sanctuary. So I, I am starting now to pick that back up again for the door. Wow. That's awesome. What I'm hearing is that you were basically concentrating on how many conversations you were having a day. You were trying to get in front of as many people as possible. Did you actually do a count as you were going along? Do you remember any yes. of those numbers? So it is. Um, and, and this was always pushed right through. Uh, uh, if you're familiar with bold, at Keller Williams, um, kind of a boot camp that they had a hundred. You should always have a hundred contacts a week, and that's not just handing out a business card to somebody. That doesn't count. It has to be a real conversation with someone. So, and even now, I might not be because I'm so busy, not productive, but busy with just the, all the things that are under contract right now that I have to deal with. But nonetheless, each week. I am always pushing, have I made that hundred contacts? And sometimes it might take me the full week, all seven days. I try to do it, you know, before the weekend or, you know, in a short time period. But yes, I do keep a tally. And, and some weeks I'll look through and I thought, wow, I've really been good. And then I'm adding it up. It's like you only had 72 contacts, but it felt like I really did. And, but there's the proof. So no matter what, I'm always doing a hundred contacts a week and you don't know where they're going to uh, get you. And sometimes it might be years later that somebody that you met makes that. I have so many of those stories that people I talked to, you know, years earlier have come back into my life because of that interaction. So you just don't know, uh, but it's not, and I will stress this, it is not that canned speech of, Oh, who do you know looking to buy or sell? I hate hearing that. You know, you do it more authentic and and uh, engaging the person, and then kind of slowly bringing it up into a conversation uh, for that, but not that in your face. Who who do you know looking to buy or sell? Let's dive into that a little bit. So, uh, 
I'm, I'm skipping ahead and, and I'm diving into some things, but I want to cut, stay on this point. They, they need to know another piece of information. And that is a lot of your business today is repeat and referral, right? The, a big portion of it, the majority of it. And yes. we're going to delve into that and get into those details. But I want to stay on this, this idea of the conversation. And by the way, that means the early days you were talking to strangers, you know, to try to build up your business. But now you're talking more to friends in a database and people should know there's that transition. As you're reaching out now to talk to your friends, you said you don't want to do this old script of who do you know is thinking about moving in the next whatever period of time, the 60 days or six months or whatever you're going to use. What instead are you actually saying? Could you either role play with me or tell me the actual script? How would it go? So, and that, and again, uh, I know we're supposed to all be about scripts, but if you've internalized it, then it doesn't come off as being a script. And it, and again, authentic. Uh, but now when I'm joking, I, I kind of joke around uh, with friends and family or, or people, you know, the acquaintances, and I'll say, oh my gosh, you know, all my buyers, they're all either under contract now or they're, they've already closed. And, you know, it, it's been wonderful. I've gotten all these people. I've, I've been their fairy godmother. I've been their real estate fairy godmother. I've helped make dreams come true. And now, oh, shoot, I, I don't have anybody. I need more Cinderella's. Who, who do you know? I, I, I need some more Cinderella's for my pipeline. Who, you know, anybody that I can help make a dream come true. And so that's kind of where I'm going. And so it's, it's basically still saying the same thing, but it's not, you know, who do you know looking to buy or sell um, or invest? It, instead, I'm coming from contribution. I'm saying, oh my goodness, I have helped all of these people with their, their finding their dream home, you know, making a dream come true, especially in this market with buyers, you know, getting them this year, especially into a place has been a little, um, little extra hard, but making it happen. So that's how I'm presenting it, that I've been helping somebody and I want to help more people. Who do you know that I could help? And that's, that's fantastic. a different spin. Yeah, that's the fairy godmother approach. I, I like that. Sherry shared the the fairy godmother approach. I got to remember that one. Um, and the key there was that you mentioned that you've been helping all these people. Yeah, so you're experienced, right? That's coming across. That's the underlying tone. You said you just ran out of people to help. And so now you have this need that they can help you with. And then right. instead of saying, who do you know right there, you went into, hey, I've been a fairy godmother. I've been helping Cinderella. I'm looking for more Cinderella's. Who do you know who might want to be the next Cinderella, right? You kind of just made it much softer, a little bit of humor, a little bit of joy in it. Uh, and it got to, the, as you said, it got to the same point, but what a great way to approach it. And it creates picture words in people's minds to help them come across the idea of what you're doing. I think that's brilliant. And it, you said it's working. It is. And because at that point, people will say, oh, my gosh, you know, my my niece or, you know, somebody, they've been having such a hard time, again, you know, in this market where they put in like five or six offers so far and it hasn't gone through. And then that's when I go into my other speech or little uh, mode saying, well, you know, they're not with the right agent, of course, but that I have, you know, I've got some little tricks that I do, you know, to help my buyers stand out because they're all special and we're going to get them their tiara. We're going to get them their house. <laughs> you stay right with that theme all the way to the end. Yeah. 
that is that you have you done that have you put fairy godmother on your business cards or anything have you tried that marketing you know, um not for that's actually a good point but what is funny i do have though for my buyers i have the nickname mom so real estate mom is the one that i've i've had actually since day one because i was helping you know like younger buyers and they would be looking at, you know, lipstick on the pig for a house thinking it was great. And I'd be seeing, oh, no, this is, you know, we've got plywood here and bad construction. And I would be actually talking them out of the house and like, oh, my gosh, you sound just like my mother. And it's like, well, then I'm doing my job. Um, so <laughs> well, I, I've had that one. But now maybe I'll ex- expand it from, you know, being mom to fairy godmother. That's awesome. That is great. Uh, let's do this. I don't want to forget this as we're getting into our call. And that is, I want to do a confirmation. My understanding is that you are a solo agent. And last year, you sold 29 homes as a solo agent. Is that true? Yes. Uh, that is fantastic. Uh, you mentioning averages before. My understanding is the national average has been four homes a year. So you are way above national average. And you've been doing that consistently for a very long time. The next question people will have on that is, do you have an administrative assistant? And if so, uh, what do they do? So, no, um, it's not an administrative assistant. I do have someone and her specialty is the social media, you know, the online things. I mean, yes, I, I know how for posting for Facebook and I can go into Canva and create, um, you know, graphics and things like that. But what she's doing is a whole new level. Uh, she's in charge of um, doing my newsletter and my website and you know uh, other things like that nature that go out. Uh, she also creates templates that I use. And so I'm still sending them out, but she's uh, creating them for me of my home, home anniversaries, uh, home anniversaries cards and um you know, other standard cards that I can send out. She's creating all of that. So it makes it easier for me. I'm still doing the work myself, but the template's already there. I just put in who I want to send it to and maybe add a sentence or two to customize it, but then I can send it out. So that's what she's doing. And I have her each week uh, for so many hours a week, pretty much like a, a day a week that we do all of this. But in terms of, um, who's putting in the uh, the new listings, and that's myself and any of my documents, and that that's just all me um, doing it. And I am working. That is something that each year I say I'm going to get an admin, um, and that's like you know, people have said that you could do up to fifty, that you should still be able to do it on your own before you have to have an admin. So it's like. I'm still doing it. And on the bright side, it keeps my overhead low because it's <laughs> myself and I. That's great. So uh, basically you've got a, uh, an assistant who's helping you with digital marketing. And we're going to get into what you're doing in your marketing in a minute. Uh, so hang in there, everybody. If you want to hear about the marketing approach, which is pretty cool because she's getting 90% of her business by repeat and referral. We're going to go down the track of what she's doing. But before we get there, I want to talk about 
uh, negotiation. You uh, uh, put yourself out as an expert at negotiation on these real estate deals. Tell us your approach. What are you doing that's working for you in the area of negotiation? So that right now, well, it's always been, that's the biggest part because so many times, you know, deals aren't perfect. And if you're not thinking ahead or, or being creative in your thoughts, um, willing to kind of look at the bigger picture and then be able to present that to your client and get them to see the bigger picture, deals have fallen apart that really shouldn't have fallen apart. So for the negotiations, because I am doing both buyers and sellers, I can talk with if I'm a seller, I can say, look, this is probably what the buyer is feeling right now. You know, can you can you see what they're thinking? Okay, yes, all right, all right. And then the next step is, all right, if you were the buyer, you know, how how would you want to be approaching this? You know, how do you think that's gonna work? And so are we doing the same thing if it's on the buyers? When they're coming in with a laundry list, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. We're not doing a laundry list from the inspection. No, no, no. We're looking at safety issues and, and we're going to push for that. And, uh, you know, what's the most important? What are we going to do with that? So it's just, um, there's my favorite phrase is change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. And so if I can get it, and, and these are my clients and they're like, but you almost sound like you're working for them. It's like, no, I'm just presenting to you. If you understand where they're coming from, then we can get, you know, we can both get to the same page. And the, the longest one I ever had, it was three hours. I lost my voice and I was talking to a gentleman, was an older gentleman. He had built the house. So emotional attachment, but it was now he had moved out and um, he was trying to rent it. That was disastrous. Now it's vacant. It's past the three years. He's going to get hit with capital gains no matter what. And he just wouldn't let go. And I kept talking to him, the pleasure pain, um, you know, presenting it to him. And long, long story. But after three hours, he finally said, okay, you're right. His wife went hallelujah. And because um, we were trying to get a price, you know, the right price on the property. On the day of closing, He's a big man on the day of closing, we're leaving and he gives me a big hug and he like picks me up off the ground. It's a big hug. And he goes, I needed that. I needed you to, that he thanked me that I heard what he was saying, that I appreciated what he was saying, but I was showing him something different for him to be thinking about, you know, a different way of looking at it. He goes, that's just what I needed. And so happy ending. And really every deal should be a win-win. Both sides should be feeling good, not that one, you know, beat out the other or something. To make it for a successful closing, both parties should be hugs and handshakes, you know, at the closing. Always win-win. And that's that's just what I I always work on. That's a great point. Yeah, you need the win-win so everybody feels good and wants to get all the way to the end, the closing. If you get beat up too much at the beginning, they may not lose have their... Uh, uh, drive to get to that end point. So um, that was really good. I like what you were saying about uh, looking at the other perspective, the other person's perspective. And you also have a gauge of what's happening with the market, the heat of the market, whether it's hot or cold for one side or the other. Right. And I'm sure you add that perspective in. You're kind of alluding to that. So that was pretty awesome. Let's do this. Uh, I 
I'm sure that people are curious. You're a solo agent. You're doing almost everything in the business other than a, this little bit of the digital marketing where you're getting some help. And so let me ask, what is your ideal schedule look like? I'm looking, I'm wondering about your day and your week. What does that look like? So for an ideal schedule, um, it's, it's going to be kind of like do as I say and not as I do. Um, <laughs> but I used to always, and I'm, I'm getting back there to it now, um, but I, I always used to start my morning a good two hours was time blocked uh, for prospecting, for making those calls uh, to, um, again, FISBOs uh, expired or just following up on past people that I'd met, you know, that had maybe made some mention about buying or selling or whatever. So I always would do that. Now, unfortunately, um, I do each evening, I make out a list of people I'm calling, and it's usually a good 30 names. Some of those people may be that they're in the transactions you know, that I'm doing that I know I need to make sure that I don't miss out on them for the day. But there's always um, contacts I'm following up on. Like, hey, um, you know, especially graduation, you had said you know, when the kids are out for college that we were thinking about maybe getting the house on the market. So those types of things that I'm just kind of putting in interspersing. Um, and then again, at the end of the week, I really should have made, not counting the transaction calls, you know, just regular business. I really should have made a hundred touches by the time I'm finished for the week. So that's kind of where it goes. Uh, but again, it's key the night before to have that list of names. And I then I stick right to it. I go right down to that list. I don't get interrupted. It's like, I'm doing that list. That was today's list. I'm going to do it. And again, it's a little bit of everything all mixed in. But at the end of the day, I've finished that list. Uh, and um, a lot of it is for the business end of things. It's putting out fires. And I will say in this past year, it has been more putting out more, more fires to put out. Um, definitely seeing things kind of changing. Uh, so spending a lot of time with that. And then um, usually, this is just my schedule. This is me actually relaxing, is working on marketing materials, uh, creating marketing materials. So I kind of do that at the end of the day. Um, while I'm still fresh, it's not too late, but, but uh, I'm not gonna be focused on what I'm doing. But that's my enjoyment is working on marketing pieces. So I kind of do that sort of, sort of at the end of the day. If I'm again, if I'm not out doing showings or inspections or appraisals, that's all through the day as well. So what I'm hearing is uh, that you, the most important thing to get done every day is to make those prospecting or reach out calls, make those touches, those make sure you get to your hundred in the week. You know that's what drives your business long term, and I noticed you put that in the beginning of the day, so it has the best chance of getting done. And then you're, you're doing filler throughout the rest of the day for showings and inspections and uh, transaction management. And then at the end of the day, you're kind of decompressing by doing some marketing, is what I'm hearing. And so, when do you uh, typically go into the office in the morning? When do you usually get home? You know, when do you start your day? When do you end your day as far as real estate? I am at the office every day, pretty much around like 8.30. Um, and 
I like it at that time. There isn't anybody else around. And so it's, I don't have to worry about having to close my door and making my calls. So uh, I'm not being heard. Um, but I'm there either um, two days a week. I'm here till probably about seven at night because I'm just cramming everything in for those two days. If I know the rest of the week, I'm going to be out on the road um, all over the place for, again, for those showings and, and inspections and so forth. So it's at least two full days of being here for the complete day. I mean, I bring a lunch, sometimes a supper, because I know I'm going to be here. And that's also playing catch up on all of those compliance paperwork, you know, that the head office needs. I mean, you really want to see the copy of my file. Um, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit tardy on, on doing those, but I get them all done before the closing. Um, but that's, you know, I'll catch up on that. Um, but even what was funny is I don't, I don't have an office at home. I don't work from home. If I am um, doing real estate, I am in my office and I'm focused and that is what I'm doing, period. And if I was trying to do this at home, sitting at a kitchen table or something, I just know my, um, my mindset, I'd be like, oh, what's going to be for supper? Oh, I can put in a load of laundry. I'm going to be distracted. And it's like, no, so I am here. And what was really uh, kind of interesting during the heyday of the pandemic, when the state of Maine was locked down and real estate was considered one of the um, jobs that was essential employees. So I was allowed to be on the road and the governor had a certificate um, that we all had as real estate agents. If, if we were stopped by the police, like, what are you doing on the road? We had that. And um, I never missed a day of work and others were talking about the sourdough bread that they were making and the rooms that they were redecorating and what was I doing? I'm like, I have four under contract right now from last week. I'm a little, a little busy, but being in the office keeps me focused and I'm not one of those. I'm, I'm I guess old school. I'm not one of those that I'm going to be at home, you know, trying to do it. If I'm here, I'm staying professional and being focused. Very good. Do you, uh, do you work on the weekends? Yes. Uh, the entire weekend or do you take some time off? No, I'll have time off like this, this weekend because I'm in several groups, nonprofit groups. And so on Saturday morning uh, was a group that I'm in the Lions Club and we were having a big fundraiser for a car show, vintage car show. So I was there at 6.30 in the morning for that. Um, for a couple of hours doing my shift. And then um, I was actually traveling two hours away up to Rockland along the coast um, where that was like my vacation day, kind of where a friend of mine from my childhood was visiting for the summer. And I was with her, uh, you know, for the whole day and didn't get home back, you know, back home till about 11. So that was my like mini vacation day on Saturday and then Sunday I was back to showings. So do you try to take one of the days off or a part? Okay. So you try to take either Saturday or Sunday off uh, each weekend to try to give yourself a little R and R. And then usually one day during the week, uh, if I have to do my errands and things like that, I'll, I'll take at least a, a solid afternoon off, off of that. So I am 
having time off, but just look, you know, doing it in a different, different manner, not the typical Saturday, Sunday. Excellent. Excellent. Let's do this. Let's shift gears. Let's talk now about your marketing uh, and what you're doing to generate leads and bring people into your business. Uh, my understanding is that about 90% of your business is coming from repeat and referral at this point. And let's break into that a little bit. Um, the first question is, uh, do you have a formal database? And if so, how many people are in that? So for the uh, database right now, it's, I mean, it's over a thousand. Um, and well, actually, I guess maybe closer to 1500 now. Um, and what is good is I'm using HubSpot. So I don't have it. Before, I would have to physically remember to put somebody in, you know, the database. And so I still have a lot of names that are on carts um, and so forth that I'm, bit by bit, I'm getting them back in. Um, so actually, that number will increase. But for right now, anytime, if say I'm doing an email to somebody and they respond, it's that response that will generate HubSpot will put it, you know, set it aside for me. And then I can go in and add some more information, you know, what marketing that they may or may not be getting and stuff, but I don't have to remember to put in the information. It is there. And then when I'm looking through HubSpot, HubSpot's reminding me, oh, what are we doing with these people? So big fan of HubSpot. And yes, I know that um, the, the company I'm with, they have a wonderful CRM program. They really do but I like having my names um, maybe under my control uh, and, and just that I know who's going in and, and uh, uh, what names and everything. So I kind of still do it on my own, but HubSpot is great. That makes total sense. And HubSpot is a generic CRM. They have a free version and a paid version. Which one are you doing? Are you paying or is it free? I'm, and now I'm in the paid one because with HubSpot, you there's different criterias, whatever. I mean, so I can have it set up that if somebody is getting my newsletter, um, it automatically will send it. You know, Mailchimp will come in and pull all of those, you know, from it. Um, or if I have it be for a certain birthdays or the anniversaries, that will kickstart another template to come in. So anyway if you go over the amount that they have that are the free ones, you do have to pay, but it's a, it's a small price. And Very automation good. is a good thing. <laughs> and you got MailChimp uh, is your email sender, your autoresponder. So it's sending out email either when you uh, can do it in bulk, you can do it by uh, one at a time. There's a lot of ways to set that up. Uh, we won't go too deep into that. I wanna come back to your list. The list you said is 1,500. Sounds like this is all the people in your database. So these are uh, your past clients and sphere of influence, but also generic leads that have come into the system as well. What I'd like to do, if you can help me, is narrow that down. How many are past clients? So it's, it's really probably a good 40% is past clients. And those automatically I made sure those are the first ones to be put in and then um, of that the 30% are the sphere 
which those names I'm still working on, you know, to get in, but a good 30% are the sphere, which also include the vendors that I'm working with. Um, and, and we can talk about that later, but that's in with the sphere. And then the other 30% are people that are prospects, you know, that maybe um, they're not at that point. It was just a, a quick meeting or a quick touch. And so they're not really acquaintances even yet or friends, you know, to be into the sphere, but they're people I want them to see what I'm doing. I, I want to be reaching out to them. So um, those are the ones I'm probably the fastest about getting in because I want to catch them before, you know, somebody else catches them. Let's entering for the data. Let me ask some questions, some clarifying questions. I just want to make sure I got things right. You're closing about 20, 20 to 30 closings a year for the last 10 years. So let's average okay. it to 25. And for 10 years, that'd be 250 past clients. Does this sound about right? Right. Okay. And then we've got some sphere that when I say sphere, I mean people really close. Like you would you would recognize them in the grocery store. They'd recognize you. You could strike up a conversation. How many people do you think that is? I oh, know that's still several hundred for being just a couple in. hundred more, right? Yeah. So maybe we've got 450 to 500 with a total PCSOI. That's great. So I just want everybody to understand the 1500, that's a lot of things going on there. The past clients in Spear, where you're getting most of these referrals from, is a smaller group. And I would guess, you tell me if this is true, you probably have a top 10, top 20, some really smaller group that are giving you most of the referrals. Is that true? Yes. So one of my favorite uh, stories is actually it, the lead came from Sphere of Influence, uh, a lender that I was working with. And, and he goes, oh, I've got, I've got a buyer I think would be such a good fit. So I'm like, okay. So um it was, it was so funny. It wasn't on medic. She was interviewing everybody. So I had to be interviewed and I was selected. And so uh, I was helping her and her husband buy their first home together. And then both of them had a house to sell, you know, prior to their marriage, they each had their own properties. So like the next year I was selling one house, a year later I'm selling the other house. And so that's three deals. Um, they loved me. Uh, their mom, her mom needed uh, to uh, buy a place. So I helped her buy a place. Then mom had one to sell. So now I'm selling mom's place. Mom loves me. Mom tells her best friend whose daughter is getting her first place. Oh, you have to use Sherry. And so all of those came in from, you know, that, that very first one um, that I got from my sphere and then all of those, and that's what I mean about the referrals and or just repeat themselves, you know, for business. And it is so much easier that I found, that was like my aha moment, is so much easier if you are just staying in touch with people you've, that already know and love you, well, hopefully love you, uh, that you're staying in touch with them and, and just, you know, having that contact, that engagement, it is a lot easier than going out and meeting new people and constantly always being on for new, getting new leads. So that was the aha moment, but I've had several where it started off with one and then they became raving fans where um, 
you know, bit by bit, I'm going through the, through the whole families. That is fantastic. I, I was trying to track while you were saying that, and you had six transactions come out of the one referral, and there'll probably be more in the future because you're expanding your network. Uh, how cool. Let's, let's do this. What uh, Do you set up an annual marketing plan? Do you have a plan to go through the year of what you're going to do to do the touches or the reach outs to your past clients and sphere of influence? And if so, could you describe that annual marketing plan to us? So right now, every year, um, and this is, um, this is, is, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. This is what I'm going to be doing. And so I have my monthly newsletter, a digital that goes out each month. And what is great about this newsletter is actually all of these posts um, are generated first on my website. I mean, they're, they're separate posts on the website, and then they get called to put into whatever you know I'm doing for the monthly newsletter. So that's same content, but showing two places. And then a third place, and this is all that my, uh, Shannon is doing for me, she's taking all that content and also making separate posts on, on my uh, business Facebook page. So one piece of content, and it appears in three different places for three different audiences. So that is always it. And I've only been doing the newsletter now for two years. And I'm very excited uh, with the newsletter being digital, the analytics of it. So I can see, you know, what the open rate is, how many clicks. I can see exactly who is looking at it, how many times have they opened up something and and have and, and when you're clicking on for the newsletter, it's taking you into the website where you know the posts first generated. So uh, the July newsletter, and I had just pulled it up, uh, was an open rate 49 percent. That's the highest one I had. June was uh, 42, 44.2 uh, percent uh, you know, for the June one. So I'm usually in uh, like 38 to you know 44. Uh, but the 49 was, was the highest. And so the funny part about my digital newsletter is I've only had 10% maybe actually be real subscribers. Everybody else, I put them on the newsletter. And so that first day, that first newsletter, when we went to hit publish, I'm like, oh my gosh, is everybody going to say, I didn't sign up for this. And hundreds and hundreds of people say unsubscribe, unsubscribe which MailChimp would have just kicked me right out saying, no, go away. And um, people uh, enjoy it. They, once the newsletter goes out, I usually typically get like a dozen emails of people saying, oh, that was a really great article, you know, do more like that or, or something about it. Um, so that is reaching out to people. And again, they might not be a buyer or seller today, but basically if you were to ask anybody um, for my past clients, oh, who, what was your agent's name? They're going to say Sherry Benno because chances are either I just talked to them in person, I just sent them a birthday card, or they just saw the newsletter, they, they will remember. And so that, that one is key. So I always do the newsletter. Um, and again, that's going out into Facebook and off the website. Then I also, which Shannon has done for me, templates, uh, digital for birthdays, 
um, or they just had a, a new child, a, a, you know, a new baby, um, or their home anniversary. And I can do that on my own, just go into the templates and send it out and just add a few sentences to customize it. So it, you know, it's, it, it's personal. So those go out, I mean, throughout the, the month, those go out and actually, um, this is also set up for, you know, um, automatic, every closing is entered in. So I can pull up for the month of August. So now here we are, August 1st, I can pull it up and I can see I've got 30 people that closed at some, some year, but it was in August. So it's their anniversary, whether it's the first one or, you know, year 10 or whatever, but I can see all those names and then I can just pull out those names into match them with the template of anniversary, put in whatever the right year is, and make a little comment. I have reached out to them. It's taken me minutes to do. And just, you know, a fun little reminder of, hey, here I am. So we have those templates. Then for something fun, um, I actually use, this is uh, Jackie Lawson does greeting cards. And it's again, all digital and they're fun animated ones. And why I like those, and so I'll intersperse those with what I'm doing. Uh, this is nothing, there's no branding going on. If you're sending out a card, um, it, it's, it's just then coming, you know, it's a, a sincere card. Uh, and it's not saying, oh, hey, Sherry from Berkshire Hathaway, it's just, hey, you know, how are you doing? Was thinking of you, Sherry. Um, and so that one I think is like under $30 a year for it. So that one is, is really good. And that kind of fills in. Um, I also, for my vendor list, I'm also reaching out to marketing to my vendors for, hey, if you've got coupons or something that I can give to my clients. Uh, I don't, usually get much business from the vendors, you know, reciprocal, but because I have a list and that they know if I'm sending somebody over to them, they are going to act on it. You know, they are going to be available. So that is worth its weight. So I will have past clients say, I need a plumber. Who have you got? And I will match up. I will first call the plumber to say, I am sending over this person you respond, yes, ma'am, and, and set it up. So that's always kind of going out. Um, I also, so the real value is, is that I have these contacts for the uh, vendors because uh, everybody needs a plumber. Um, and then there'll be other random things like actually just today, I'm on the newsletter for my local animal shelter. And because uh, I participate, um, you know, in the donations and the fundraising. So they were announcing a pet portraits and the artist is really good. We'll paint a picture of your little puppy or whatever. And a past client of mine that I had just ran into a couple months ago, uh, they had just gotten a new puppy and she had wanted, did I know anybody for a portrait? Because she wanted to do that for a surprise present for her husband. And it's like, well, let me, if, if I ever find out, and there it was in, the, in this email today, I immediately sent it over to her saying, hey, do you still need a pet portrait? Now, I haven't talked to her in maybe six months, but there it was, like, here it is. See, I hadn't forgotten. Um, 
So little touches like that. Now, on some of these things that make the client special, I do have it notated on HubSpot under the notes section, but I am kind of guilty. It's also really in my head um, and it's not written down, but I just have that memory that it will click in. So again, as soon as I saw about pet portraits, I remembered, oh, Gail, I got to get this over to her, you know, like ASAP, which I did. But that was another touch. So these are the kind of things I'm doing. Um, this spring, I sent out one where it was the seed packets that you can get at the dollar store, four for a dollar. It took me eight stores to go to uh, because I wanted specifically the forget-me-nots um, seeds that they had for the flowers. And then I just have a little, little sticker I put on it um, that says, thank you for helping my business grow. And it does say, you know, for, for my information. So, and I mailed that out to like 300 people with that. And that cost me really under a dollar uh, a touch between the, the seeds, the labels, the postage, um, the envelope and everything. So I do that. Um, I also, for the pandemic, this was my biggest one. I was constantly handing this out. I found little mini bottles of sanitizers. And so I had a card, um, spread referrals, not germs. And attached <laughs> sanitizer to it. So I was handing that out to everybody. And that didn't have to be a sphere. I mean, that was actually new people I was meeting and everything else because everybody could use bottle well, hand sanitizer. So, um, but little things like that, um, that I'm doing throughout the year. Um, so no matter what, at the end of the year, I can look down to the list. And if I haven't at least a minimum of four touches, you know, some will be more. Um, but I've, I have talked to everybody that is on that list one way or the other. I have, I have talked to them. That's awesome. Thank you for walking us through that. Um, and that was a question I had was whether you're making any direct reach outs, like say by phone call. And if so, how often and what, how's that going? So you, did you say you're making four phone calls then per year to, to the yes. people in your- No, at least minimum four contacts, okay. uh, four contacts. So that might've been, um, you know, a, a card or, or something like that for the, um, the calls. It's not so much the calls, it's let's meet for coffee. And in December, I actually make actual visits to everybody. And if they have children, I'm actually bringing little toys, um, you know, just to, to and, and that is nothing business. It's just like, hey, you know, here I am, just wanted to reach out and say hi. And one of the, uh, the families, because he's seen me now five years in a row, and in December, they opened up their advent calendar for the, the month. And, he's, and he knew that that meant, oh, you know, it's Christmas and everything. And he goes, oh, that means Miss Sherry's coming. And <laughs> so it's like, yes. And so I buy in January when everything is like 90% off. I get all these toys of different age groups. I put them on a the spreadsheet so I know what I've got. And then in December, I actually spend the whole month of December uh, doing visits. And those are in-person visits. And then um, in October, just for the new people um, that have bought a house, 
I will bring a huge pumpkin for them with just a little pumpkin carving kit uh, that you know you can pick up easy anywhere. And when I'm delivering those pumpkins, though, it isn't just for my buyers that have bought you know their first house or the house, or whatever. I also delivering pumpkins to the orphan buyers that the people who bought my listings, because obviously I know where to find them, and I will drop off a pumpkin to them, um, you know, just to say, hey, I'm glad you're enjoying your new house. And yes, I have gotten uh, business from orphan buyers on many occasions, and I will shamelessly keep reaching out to because once the closing is done, they're orphans, I'm taking them. Wow, I hope everybody heard that. You laid down a whole ton of knowledge, of course, uh, but that last point about picking up the orphan client, the basically the co-op client on the other side of the transaction proving you, whether there was a buyer or a seller, uh, but after the closing, then as you said, they're fair game. Most agents neglect their past clients, so they're probably going to be orphans, as you said, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> and also uh, the homestead allowance, uh, papers, I make sure in March, I usually send those out as a reminder to people. And again, those will go out to the, the orphan buyers. And I've gotten calls from people saying, what is this? My agent never told me that I could be doing this. So those, those two things. I figured I'm safe with October with pumpkins. Um, you know, I'm, it, it's kind of hard being respectful of all the different cultures and religions and everything but i figured a pumpkin i'm i'm safe safe with uh, that's just fun so october i'll hit up orphan buyers and again in march they'll get the homestead paperwork for orphan buyers and and see what happens well that's very interesting because in uh, a minute ago you had told me uh, that 40 percent of your list was past clients and i was running the math and we came up with around <laughs> 300 but if you add your orphan clients, that doubles the list. Yes. I hope everybody's listening to the end here. This is a great way to double your list of past clients and past client almost, you know, these, these people that do know you from this closing. Um, and that was so smart. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'd like to move on to another way that you're generating business, this other 10% or so. And my understanding is you're getting some leads that are coming in from, uh, Google business listing, when you're listing your, your uh, business out on Google, number one, is that true? And number two, what's happening there? So Google my business. And again, uh, Shannon is, is the person that's helping me out with that. And to stay um, relevant, you have to always be putting something new for content on there. And it's not the same as like Facebook or, or things like those types of things. You're, you're putting down your product. And so a product could be, hey, here's this new listing. So that's a product. Um, I always have um, a, like a button on there, a call to action for if anybody is looking for you know, a CMA. And so that one is always there um, each month. Uh, we just make it look different um, you know, for the different seasons and stuff. But when the house sells, that, that is not a current product anymore. And I will go in to make sure then to remove it because 
I don't want Google My Business gods to be upset with me. So you, you really have to be careful about what you're doing. So those are the products. You can have photos, and I will put um, photos, the, uh, the Berkshire Hathaway, we have monthly two awards that go out for the most listings in a month or the most closings in a month for each of the branches that we have. And there's seven branches. And so my uh, Shannon made a, a fun little template. So every time I get one of those, it's just automatic. It creates like a, a photo, you know, I mean, it's an image. And so she'll put that on. So if anybody is looking up for Google My Business, they're going to see in the photo section, like all the awards. I mean, it's that these are all facts, you know, here it is. Oh, well, she must be busy and so forth. Then also the key is for uh, the reviews from your clients and getting those on. So that is, I mean, you can have the photos, you can be showing off your listings if you don't have the reviews. And so as soon as I'll be joking around with them at the closing going, is it okay? Can I send over a letter that has the link to it that will bring you right to it? Will you do, you know, um, a review for me? And I'll just kind of joke around, just tell them, you know, hey, that, you know, I didn't do so bad. And they'll, they'll laugh and like, oh, no, no, you were, you were good. It's like, would you mind just doing that? So I don't do it the day that they're moving and everything, but I'll give it a couple of days and then I'll send it over and say, hey, thank you so much. Really appreciate it um, and do it. So last year, though, it was, it was funny. I had, I mean, it's a good thing. I had three people reach out to me and I'm like, all right, I don't, didn't, the names didn't ring a bell and, and everything. So I asked each one, well, how did you hear about me? And they're like, oh, we Googled you. And so I know it came specifically from that. And really, you can have all the reviews on Zillow and everything else. They're not going to Zillow. What's the first thing you do is you Google it. And so, yes, I'm going to be, you know, and having the, um, always having fresh content on there and new reviews coming in. So I'm always staying high, um, you know, being relevant. So I had three last year come through there. And uh, I just, this year, I've also had three. And I just literally got one this weekend. And a lady from Florida who wants to come up to where I'm at, the, the, uh, the place where the office is here. And she's like, oh, yeah, I Googled you. And your, your name pops right up. And I'm like, how may I help you? My pleasure. <laughs> and so that, that works. But you, there, you do have to be... Um, it is something that it needs to be kept fresh and that you're doing, um, you know, each month. Towards the end of the month, we'll, we'll have it updated and, and put it through. Sherry, that is fantastic. Th thank you for sharing that information on the Google. What a great idea. It's free marketing as long as you keep up yes. with it. You also, I want to point out to everyone, you've mentioned multiple times using templates. You've used a lot of templates mm -hmm. in your business to speed things up, the repetitive uh, things that you're doing. I, I don't want people to miss that. Now, you've helped us understand a, a good uh, big picture of your business. Appreciate that. Uh, it's a great referral-based business. Uh, a lot of it's digital, but uh, people are going to still want to know the answer to the question. So I have to ask, are you profitable? Yes. Yes, and actually, I, I am going to take a second to look. I pulled up numbers um, 
because that was actually a good question. Like, yeah, I knew I was profitable, but uh, just kind of wanting to see what the numbers were. And um, when I was looking up for my, so I, I picked the year that we had just ended uh, 2021. And so, yes, I knew what my GCI was, but that's, oh, that's a great number if you actually had that in your bank account, but we, we know that's not it. So once um, the company dollar, the franchise fee, if there was some agent to agent referral fees or something. So I came up with what that number was. And then um, going through for my actual expenses of what I'm paying, um, Shannon is a 1099, you know, um, that's what she gets at the end of the year. Um, all my expenses for having like the gas, here in Maine, gas is probably the biggest one because we're on the road a lot and, and there's no easy way to get from here to there. Um, so all of these expenses and, um, and actually it worked out that I was, oh, here we go. So, and for the expenses, um, including also the taxes and everything, um, and pretty much all of that for expenses and the tax payments was on that net number, uh, 30% of what I earned. Wow. So Wow. So your net profit is 70% and that's after taxes. Yeah. That was after taxes. You have a very profitable business running there. Uh, you've kept your uh, overhead low. You're doing a lot of digital, as we mentioned, and you're also working your PCSY, your past clients' sphere right. of influence. And I have never, ever bought a lead. Um, I don't buy the canned material. I, all of these systems that you see advertised, um, and they may be great for others, but for myself, it's like with uh, with what I have with uh, Shannon helping me, you know, on the social or digital online presence. Um, that's again, probably my biggest expense. That was just that alone was 10,000 for Shannon last year. But what she is more than paid for herself with all the business you know, that comes in. And so, but no, for the uh, taxes and expenses and everything else um, on that net dollar amount, it, was 30, 30%. That is awesome. That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, if you were to uh, talk to a brand new agent who is just getting in the business, what would you advise them to do first? So, well, I'd be advising them for a couple, couple things. The first would be something pretty simple. And that is, you see, I'm wearing, wearing my badge. And I probably have half a dozen because they got to coordinate with the outfit and everything in the way, a fashion. Um, but in the beginning, I would be wearing the badge. And yes, it is. It's, you know, you hear it all the time. People stop you at the grocery line and say, oh, how's business? You know, and you don't know them, but it's, it, they feel comfortable in talking to you because you've already introduced yourself by you're wearing the badge, um, you know, for them to approach you and, and talk. And so that is the first thing. The first thing I ever did was actually, um, you know, get a badge and I was wearing it every day, uh, having that. Um, and then 
these are other things I know that it probably sounds silly, but when I answer my phone, it is Sherry Benner, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. It is, it is professional. And because you never know who's on the other side. And if you just pick up the phone, hi, oh, have I reached Sherry? You know, that uh, it's not polished. Uh, it doesn't seem professional. So little things like that, because you don't know what's, who's on the other end. And that could be, you know, the big thing right there of, of how you presented yourself. Um, you should also have on your phone Dropbox. Well, you should have Dropbox in any of it have it be on your phone because so many times in the beginning, I needed access to documents. And if I wasn't at the office, um, and I, you know, I, I was, didn't have my laptop with me and I couldn't get it, I can pull it up on Dropbox right off my phone and pull it up as if I'm right in the office. And so I don't miss you know, I don't miss anything in terms of, of if I need to get a document over to somebody or to show somebody a document, whatever I've got it. You should also have a scanner app on your phone because I don't, because um, again, there are times I can't get into the office. I need something scanned to send over, you know, to somebody to get signed. And I'm sorry. Yes, anybody can take a photo you know, you put the paper down, you're taking a photo, and it looks like it is, you know, a photo. Um, so, I mean, little things like that. And I guess it's kind of, I'm just saying, fake it till you make it. That's, that's just my biggest thing. That's exactly what I did. You just kind of go with confidence. And if you're showing the people that you're working with, oh, let me pull this up. And, um, you know, you're just coming off as being professional, then you are professional you are, you know, you're, you're presenting yourself, you're answering the phone as a professional, everything about you. And so if, if I'm going to be working with you, uh, uh, if somebody is, is looking at me to be working with, I think they would want that. They don't want somebody just like, oh, is this your part-time job? Can you squeeze me in between everything else that you're doing? And that, I guess, would lead to another thing. I don't know how people do it part-time. Um, because even when I want to take a day off and the calls are coming in, if I was actually working a second job and I couldn't pick up the phone, what business are you leaving behind? Or does that really do service you know, to your clients um, if you're not being able to you know, be there for them? I'm not saying you know, 100% of the, you know, every day should be 100% for business, but you should be uh, you know, full full-time, I mean, that works for me. And I just can't imagine any other way. So those are the things. And one other tip for when you're wearing your badge, always have it, uh, people always kind of wear their badge like over their heart. That's kind of like their first inclination. You have it on the other side, on the right side, because when you're shaking hands, the eyes are looking this way at your badge. So just that comes back old school from years when I was first corporate and stuff. Uh, but if you're wearing a name tag or something, that's where it is. Because when you're shaking hands with somebody, this is the line of sight where they're looking at. And, and then they're seeing the name and they're making, you know, making a memory. 
Sherry, what great tips. I, I love the fake it till you make it. We've all used that and used it successfully. And it's good advice and all the other uh, pieces. Thank you. Uh, well, Sherry, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? I couldn't do what I'm doing if I didn't really enjoy the people, you know, that I'm working with and, and always. I mean, every once in a while, you might have a stinker um, that uh, they're still in the database, but probably not ever going to be doing business with them. But that is so, so rare. I, I mean, I am genuinely blessed. I have had wonderful people uh, that I'm working with and, you know, either selling their home or getting them um, to to their new home. But it really is, and, and I can joke around about it, but it really is um, making dreams happen and that I'm a part of that. I mean, if that's not the biggest high that you can have. So it's not about, you know, for the business or, you know, for the money or anything else, it really is that I'm connecting with so many people and that just makes me happy. So that's, that's my biggest takeaway. Oh, that's fantastic. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you, Sherry. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on Solo Agent World. Keep moving forward. Bye. This has been another episode of Solo Agent World. Enjoyed what you heard? Hit that like button. Plus, remember to subscribe and click that notification icon so you'll be the first to receive all the latest episodes. Love the show? Leave us a five-star rating and write a quick review. If you know a solo agent that we should interview, yourself or someone else, let us know at mastermindagent.com. And if you have a solo agent friend who could benefit, tell them about the show. Thanks for listening to Solo Agent World. Keep smiling and keep moving forward.